Good afternoon and thank you for joining us. I'm glad that you're able to uh, worship with us. Uh, please turn your Bible to the book of Mark chapter 1, starting on verse 9. Uh, last week we started this sermon series uh, on the gospel according to Mark. Uh, in the pages of Mark's account, we come to know Jesus as the, the Messiah, the, the suffering servant, the Son of God, the risen Christ, and the, and the returning King. Uh, the Gospel of Mark uh, aims to persuade all who read to, to believe. So we will be breaking this book down, uh, passage by passage, gaining this rich picture of Jesus as the authoritative yet uh, suffering uh, Son of God. It is my prayer and my hope for us as a church is that this study in the gospel according to Mark will encourage, will build us up, will exhort us to know Jesus better. I'm not talking simply knowing about Jesus with, uh, uh, and all the things that Jesus said and, and did. So that's the trust uh, behind this uh, sermon series. Uh, last week, we looked at how Mark opened his gospel with the words, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the Son of God. And how this statement is the defining uh, line in Christianity. Uh, what we realize from the outset is that this Jesus is not only the promised Messiah who would come to save God's people from their enemies or from their sins, but this Jesus, the Son of God, the very God. This then requires us to uh, make a decision. Uh, do we believe that Jesus is the good news? Or, or are we still holding out for something or someone uh, greater? This is not something uh, that we can simply take a, a backseat on. We will either believe it or not. So in, in the opening verses of Mark's Gospel, namely... Uh, John, whom we know as John the Baptist, uh, because essentially his role was to stand for a time of human history and, and announce the appearing of, of Jesus. So he was there uh, to say, here is Jesus. Uh, in, in that respect, he provides an example for all of us in terms of the privilege that we're given as followers of Jesus, uh, to tell others uh, about Him. Uh, our role is not ultimately to talk about ourselves, but our responsibility is to point away from ourselves to Jesus of Nazareth, that, that men and women might meet Him. Uh, that might hear him and might come to trust and follow him now. What a great privilege that God has given us as followers of Christ, that we have this amazing responsibility to proclaim Christ, to, to make him known to others. Especially in, in the midst of this pandemic that we find ourselves in. For the last nine months or so, Right? We are reminded uh, through this pandemic that, Jesus, that people need Jesus Christ. They need hope. They need assurance 
and what the future will be. And they can only find that through Jesus Christ. And you and I have a responsibility to proclaim Him, to make Him known, to point them to the Scripture, that they will have a relationship with Christ. And the challenge for us today is, how are we doing that in the midst of this pandemic? You know, we, we really have to be creative and be prayerful in how we can accomplish to be part of that agenda of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, I hope and pray that, um, that God would lead us and that God will give us wisdom as a church to go out, right, and, and, and to be prayerful about this because we have a responsibility, especially now that uh, people are fearful of what's happening and, and how people put their um, hope in the government, right, and, and how they put their hope in, in other things. But people need to put their hope in Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Christ, you have a responsibility, I have a responsibility to continue to, to preach the good news of Christ. It is not about us. It is about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So as we dive into our text, we need to keep this statement, uh, this, this claim about Jesus at the forefront of our thinking. So this afternoon, we're going to look at the baptism and temptation of Jesus Christ. So we have a simple uh, outline, um, the baptism of Christ and the temptation of Christ. It, it, it is a well-known scene, Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. I was privileged enough this uh, early last year in 2020 to go to Israel in one of our, uh, with one of our trips, uh, we, were, um, we were able to stop and, and go to uh, the Jordan River where Christ was baptized. I don't know if that was a specific uh, location where, where, where Jesus was baptized, but it was the Jordan River, nothing, le uh, nothing less, right? And, and so it was a great experience to know uh, and even see, seeing people being baptized in the Jordan River. And that's what we see, as if like John the Baptist uh, baptizing people, right? And so the question is, why was it necessary for Jesus, who is um, God in the flesh, uh, to be baptized? Why did the Spirit of God send Jesus into the wilderness uh, for 40 days to be tempted by uh, Satan. So as we turn our attention to ch Mark chapter 1, verse 9, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So after John's prediction, Jesus came to be baptized. So the Son of God did not need to repent, of course. Uh, unlike the other participants, uh, Jesus would not have confessed any sins. Uh, as you would see in verse 5, towards the end, uh, as people were coming to, uh, 
to John for to being baptized by him in the river by um, uh, River Jordan, confessing uh, their sins. Right? Jesus comes and, and, and joins those uh, who seek a baptism of repentance and who are confessing uh, their sins. So Jesus neither uh, repents of sin nor confesses his sin because he had no sin. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 21. In the book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21. And this is what the Word of God says. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And also Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, and this is what the Word of God says. Actually, let's start on verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, because Jesus was sinless, he needed no baptism of repentance. But in his baptism, he associated himself uh, with us as uh, with us sinners and, and place himself among the guilty not for his own salvation but for ours not for his guilt but for ours not because he feared the wrath to come but to save us from the wrath to come so so his baptism meant uh, the cross so the obvious question becomes why did Jesus have uh, why did Jesus have John baptized him. So if you turn your Bible to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 3, and it, and, and it gives us an explanation to that question. Why did Jesus have John uh, baptize him? So if you turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. And this is what the Word of God says. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John. To be baptized by him, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So again, we see the motivation uh, that sheds some light of the Lord's uh, baptism here. So John's baptism was an outward uh, symbol of inward uh, devotion to God, uh, submission to His will and identity with the people of Israel. So this was the appropriate way for John, the, the forerunner, to complete his mission by uh, officially presenting the, the Messiah and then stepping aside. Uh, the fact that this event was located in the desert 
uh, simultaneously fulfilled the prediction of Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 3. And it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So that was the fulfillment of that prediction. Uh, so perhaps even more significant to the Lord's plan, Jesus presented himself for baptism in order uh, to give the symbol of immersion in water a, a new meaning. Uh, without a doubt, the significance of baptism changed on that day. With that simple ceremony, uh, Jesus uh, officially began a journey that would lead to his ultimate destiny, his atoning sacrifice for sin. So he thus uh, made a, a symbolic uh, doorway to a new kind of life uh, through which he would um, be the first uh, to walk. So Jesus accepted baptism in obedient service to the Father, and, and, and God showed his approval, as we would see later on. So we need this same attitude of humility, submission to God, and dedication to uh, servanthood. You see, by our baptism into Christ, we enter that covenant and partake of all its uh, blessings. Uh, have you, for those who have repented, for those who have confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, have you followed Christ in the believers of baptism? Have you um, made, made it known publicly to be baptized? to proclaim to the world, right, per se, that you are faithfully following Him, that you have surrendered your life, that you are obeying Him, because uh, that, that, that is so important for you uh, as a follower of Christ. It's a great picture of your obedience of following Him, of knowing Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's another way for us to tell the world that we are indeed a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, in other countries, uh, people, uh, those who have come to know Christ, especially in the, in the area where Christian persecution is very high, they would literally hide to get baptized. And, you know, they really want to show to their brothers and sisters, you know what, this is what I want to do. Just like Christ obeyed his Father and followed him through that. We have a responsibility. We need to have the same attitude and humility of submission and dedication to our Savior Jesus Christ. In verse 10, as we turn back to the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 10 says this, And when he came up out of the water, immediately, the word immediately, okay, I, I want you to take note of this word in verse 10. This is the first, first of many times when Mark will use uh, his favorite uh, word, uh, immediately. Uh, an important word in Mark occurring 42 times, 42 times, but only 12 times in the rest of the New Testament. The word immediately. The word keeps, uh, keeps the narrative moving on a fast pace throughout the book. As it chronicles, Jesus uh, travels throughout his three-year ministry uh, on earth. 
the word could have the urgency of uh, right away or at once. Or even at times, it meant in due time or even simply when or, or, or then. So Mark's intention seems to be uh, to show readers that the ministry of Jesus uh, was an exciting time, often uh, punctuated by surprising events. Uh, and that's something that you see as you go, as you read through the gospel. Right? Next thing you know, this is happening, and that's happening, and like, all of a sudden, it's, like, it's a fast-paced action. Um, so, you know, keep reading uh, the gospel according to Mark, and you'll see uh, what this is all about. As Jesus was coming, out, coming up out of the water, he, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him uh, like a dove. Like a dove. I mean, look at that. What a, um, what a beautiful moment, right? The Spirit descending portrays a gentle, a gentle a peaceful, but active presence uh, coming to indwell Jesus. In the same way, since Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, He's available to us as well. And the voice came from heaven, says, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I mean, you look at this. What did Jesus see? Literally, he saw the heavens tearing apart. Then he saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending into him as the Spirit publicly entered Jesus for full empowerment for a ministry. Uh, Jesus also saw the divine poetry for the same spirit uh, brooded over the waters at the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 2. So what did Jesus hear? You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I, I want you to look at this, that God was pleased with uh, his son's commitment to be the humble servant savior who would atone for the sins of the whole world. And you'd see that in Isaiah 53 verse 11. You see, my beloved, the Father takes great delight. He takes great pleasure and satisfaction in the Son. So He has always taken pleasure in the Son. And you see that God's pleasure in the Son is constant. And when you read um, the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 16 and, and 17, and, and I want you to open your Bible there, and I want us to see uh, this, this part of the scripture in verses 16 and 17. And, and even in the book of Luke, chapter 3, verse 22, it, it features all three uh, persons of the Trinity. So when you go back to the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 9, as well as in Matthew, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, you see that uh, in regards to the Trinity, the Son is baptized, right, in verse 9. Uh, the Father speaks in verse 11. So there is a real sense in which the baptism is not uh, so much about what Jesus does, it's what the Father does to Him. In verse 10, you see the Spirit descends into him. So just like the ending of Matthew chapter 20, 
uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And then the beginning of Mark uh, gives us a brief glimpse into the nature of our God, the great three of one, a three in one. So the appearance of the Father and the Holy Spirit revealed the Trinity and serve as a confirming witness concerning the identity of Jesus. So all three persons are God, the Father, uh, speaking from heaven, the Spirit descending like, uh, like a dove, and the Son seeing the Spirit and hearing uh, the voice. So without ceasing to be fully God, uh, the three persons are distinct that they interact with one another. In other words, uh, God does not emerge from the water as the sun, uh, raised to heaven uh, from the body of Jesus to utter uh, his affirmation as the Father and then fly down again as the Holy Spirit uh, to become the Son again. Right? What we see here, on the contrary, uh, God is shown in this passage to be three in one simultaneously. While we see this interchange for a mere instant, the Trinity has always existed this way. By the way, the word Trinity is not in the scripture, but this is what we see here, right? We don't see the word Trinity at all. Uh, as Wayne Grudem so expertly uh, describes the tri-unity, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God, and there is one God. The dove and the voice from heaven were signs that uh, Jesus was the Messiah. Many people want, uh, want something tangible, visual, and even real before they believe. So Jesus did healings and other miracles, as you would see here in this book. And God raised Jesus from the dead, still, still people uh, doubt. The question is, will, will visible signs convince anyone? The sign that really brings us to faith is the power of God's message to, to answer the cry of, of the heart. To the confused, God offers a mind enlightened by faith. To the depressed, to the distressed, uh, God offers a reason for, for joy. To the lonely, uh, God offers eternal companionship. So don't look for a spectacular visible sign. Instead, uh, seek a cleansed and renewed uh, life as evidence of His presence. So that's the first thing that we see in this, in this short section that we, uh, in chapter 1, uh, verse 9 through 11, the, the baptism of Jesus Christ. And the second point that we have is the temptation of Jesus uh, in verses 12 and 13. So as we turn our attention once again to the book of Mark, the commissioning uh, by God is often followed by a time of testing. This is true for all of us. It was true for Jesus, the servant king. Um, as he has been commissioned, as he has been baptized, right? Uh, we see here 
the question is, will Jesus continue to trust and obey uh, the will of the Father uh, now that the course of his life is, is made clear? So I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Uh, I want us to read this three description or uh, in regards to the temptation of Christ. So again, uh, he's been commissioned by God, the Father, um, and here we see right away, so the moment uh, he get baptized, and we see here in verse 12 and 13, um, and now we look at um, the event that took place in verse 1 of chapter 4 of Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, again listen, that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the whole of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All this I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Again, as we look at this event, uh, the temptation of Christ, the commissioning uh, by God, right, uh, is often followed by a time of testing. Uh, do you recall when, when you were baptized? When you went, uh, and right away, even the next day or even that same week, right, you, you, you surrender, you committed your life, you said, you know what, Lord, I, I'm going to follow you. Next thing you know, there's testing and there are trials right then and then. Right? You probably have gone um, um, through some of the hardest trials right after baptism uh, that you have faced in your life. It, it, it's, it's really, um, it, it's like identifying with, with Christ through baptism and, and, and it puts a target on your back. So the devil knows who needs to, to attack. Uh, so Mark is very careful to record that Christ faced and defeated Satan uh, in three ways throughout his life. First, in this moment where Christ is driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness and is tempted by Satan, defeats Satan in that moment. Christ faced him again in his public ministry uh, and demonstrated his power over evil. Uh, and the third is that Christ faced him again at the cross, uh, making a public display of, of him, uh, triumphing um, over him uh, by the cross. And so Mark reminds us uh, 
that everything Christ did in his life was done for us. I want you to stop and, and think for a moment. And what's all this about? Right? That, that everything that Christ did in his life was done for us. Was done for you and for me. You see, from day one, it, it was... It all was a substitution. It all was Christ in our place. Christ facing what we could not be able to face. Christ winning a victory that we could not win. So when you look at all that and what Christ has done, despite of all these trials and tribulations, right? Again, understanding that Christ facing what we would not be able to, to face. Praise God. Praise God for His grace. When things are difficult and, and, and considering all of that, that from day one, it, was, it, it all was a substitution. And now look, look at the words here. Now, the Spirit immediately drove him. Again, you see the word immediately. Right? So the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. See, Mark's depiction is important. The Spirit of God directed the Son to go into wilderness, and the Son obeyed. Right? Again, we see, that, we see this theme, trust and obey. Right? The Spirit of God directed the Son to go into wilderness, and Jesus Christ obeyed. Why, why is this important? Remember, Jesus is fully human. Uh, while he, he is nothing less our Savior, He, he is also our uh, example of, uh, of humanity in right relationship uh, with God. We are not God, but we do have His Spirit living within us. Christ was not in the wilderness because of some kind of uh, preemptive attack by Satan. He, he wasn't there because he was lured there by the evil one. Mark is very careful to remind us that it was the Spirit of God that led Christ into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, here's what that means. This was part of God's plan. This was a necessary step in what Christ came to do. This isn't a diversion. This is not an interruption. This is not a dangerous moment and you wonder what's going to happen. This is God doing exactly what He meant to do, to lead Christ to face the enemy on our behalf. Did you hear that? That this is God's plan from the very beginning. What Christ needs to do, right? This is what He's meant to do. This is what uh, Christ is called to do, right? That God led Christ to face the enemy, the devil, Satan himself, on our behalf. Now here's the story. Right? The first Adam was our 
representative, right? Uh, the first Adam uh, stood where we would stand. And the first Adam faced the evil uh, lies of the tempter. And he believed those lies. You'll see that in the book of Genesis. You read at the very beginning of Genesis, right? If you're reading and going through the Bible um, in one year, right? You probably pass, you're probably in chapter 14 right now, perhaps, right? Uh, but again, it, when you look back in Genesis uh, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, 4, and 5, you see all this all put together. And how um, Adam listened and faced uh, the evil, uh, the tempter. So, and, and he believed those lies. And Adam uh, stepped outside of God's boundaries. He disobeyed God's command for him and Eve. You see, Adam opted for autonomy and self-sufficiency. He opted for the possibility that maybe, maybe, just maybe, I could live independent of God. Maybe I could find uh, life outside of God. You see, when you open your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and it says there that, uh, as Adam died, all died. See, w- w- with that horrible choice of Adam, sin entered the world. And all of us are born in sin. Yes, even the beautiful baby that you have, right? The beautiful child that you have is born in sin. Born in sin. Just, just, just imagine that. And all of us have that susceptibility to temptation. All of us desire autonomy. All of us desire self-sufficiency. All of us want the position of God. We are all like Adam. And so what's necessary is that God would send Jesus as the second Adam, right? Jesus now uh, faces the same tempter, and he's doing that for us. Jesus, uh, this is Jesus as our substitute. It was very, very important that before Christ faced his public ministry, that he would first face the enemy of that ministry. Very profound, right? And so Christ faced the enemy. And he demonstrated his power. He, he does that for us so that we would, in his sacrifice, have that power to say no to temptation. So I'm not sure what you're tempted in this very moment or how strong your temptation is to things, but I need you to understand when it comes to uh, the power to overcome sin, to overcome temptations in our lives, we need to remember this, and that God, through Jesus Christ, and how He faced the enemy, 
for our behalf. That in his sacrifice that we would have the same power to say no. To say no to those temptations. Yes, even with those good food. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Say no to sexual temptations. To greed, to pride. And there's something I need us to understand that we have the power to say no to temptation. Not, not because uh, we have that power in ourselves, but because uh, we find that power in Him. That power in Him. He comes not only to forgive us, but to empower us by His grace. So that by that grace, we can say no. And so that grace is operating on our behalf in this moment. Uh, this is not an interruption of the plan. Uh, this is part of the plan. The Spirit sends Christ out into the wilderness for that very purpose. And look at the words there. They are all very precise. The Spirit immediately drove him out in the wilderness. And, and, and he was in the wilderness for how long? 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by Satan. So Jesus was not tempted inside the temple or at his baptism, but in the wilderness where he was tired. He was tempted in the wilderness where he was alone, where he was hungry and thus most vulnerable. You see, the devil often tempts us when we are what? Vulnerable. When we are under physical or emotional stress. For example, when you are lonely or tired or weighing some big decisions or faced with uncertainty. Right? Just imagine what, what the devil is doing now in, during this pandemic. And how people are physically stressed, how they're emotionally stressed because of what's happening, the uncertainty that is happening around us because of this pandemic. So people are vulnerable. But he also likes to tempt us through our strengths. The devil, Satan himself, likes to to tempt us through our strengths, where we, where we are most inclined to pride. We must guard at all times against his attacks. This is a spiritual battle, right? And the things that we're going to see here in our society, right? We need to be prepared in how we battle this together. And so he, he, he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. You see, Mark has a very interesting way of uh, characterizing these events. Mark is very efficient gospel. We, we have the whole temptation of Christ covered in a very few words. Not like when you read the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses what, 1 through 11, right? But here we see very few words, two short verses. But it's interesting, Mark takes, uh, 
take on this. Notice what he says, And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. Now, most of us, I think, when we think of Christ being tempted, uh, we don't think of the whole forty days being a temptation. Uh, we think the temptation of Christ was just uh, three moments, as I have read in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Uh, and surely those three moments uh, took place. You see, Mark emphasized the attack of the enemy on the humanity of Christ. Christ is driven out into the wilderness alone. Uh, he faces the direct attack of Satan there. Uh, he faces the danger of wild animals there. And here's the picture. Christ, for, for those 40 days, is standing on our place and he's receiving the full force of what it means to, le- to live in this fallen world. Right? That's what it means when it says in Hebrews chapter 4 that this one, verse 15, has been tempted in every way like we are yet without sin. Yet without sin. 40 days. 40 days is a long time to be, to be tempted by Satan. Satan does not have to do uh, too much to bring us down. Our sin nature often uh, creeps back into our lives and, and, and rears its ugly head. But not Jesus. There was nothing that Satan uh, could do to trip Jesus up. Uh, Jesus did not have a sin nature. He he wasn't fallen like you uh, and me. The good news that we read here is that Jesus did not give in to the temptation of Satan. He didn't give Satan a single inch. You see, that, that in this moment in the wilderness, that full range of what it means to face the harsh realities of life in the fallen world. All of the aloneness and all the alienation and all the direct temptations of the enemy and all the dangers of a world that is broken, Christ is shouldering for us. See, it is not just a couple moments of temptation. It's 40 days where Christ is in our place defeating the enemy on our behalf. That's an amazing promise and and hope that we have. And the really question in how we battle our temptations that we are facing, right? Are, Are we going to surrender to temptation and let sin creep in? And that if we're not careful, right, we will fall into more deep sin in our lives. So the moment you sense that you're being tempted, right, how do you face temptation, right? We see here, and we can learn a lot, if you go back to the book of Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, see how Christ responded, he knew scripture, Right? Just like Joseph, when he sees that there's temptation, 
of sexual sin, he what? He ran away. He simply ran away. He didn't even question it. You know what? I, 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 I don't want to sin against my God. I, I just want to run away. So he ran away. So there's an important call for us, church. Yes, God gives us the power through Jesus Christ. We need to be committed to the scripture to fight temptations in our lives, whatever temptation that may be. I hope that you would do that. And the last thing I want us to see here, as we go back to the book of Mark chapter 1, verse 13, And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering, to him, the angels were ministering to him. You see, God, God honors the obedience of Jesus Christ, and He sends His messengers to bring aid and comfort to the Lamb. Angels are continuously uh, present. Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, chapter one, verse fourteen defines angels as uh, as messengers for God and ministers to people, they, they show compassion for human beings. Let me share some passages uh, that, that support the idea of uh, guardian angels in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. Matthew 18, verse 10 says, See that you do not despise uh, one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Luke 15, verse 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Acts chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. Recognizing Peter's voice in her, vo in her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind, but she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. In Revelations chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who Hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. See, as agents of God, they bring special help to believers. In Acts chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council of all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought out. Acts chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, 
dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. As we have recently celebrated Christmas, you're reminded once again, angels like those who waited on Jesus have a significant role as God's messengers. These spiritual beings were involved in Jesus' life on earth by announcing uh, Jesus' birth to Mary, reassuring Joseph, naming Jesus, announcing Jesus' birth to the shepherds, protecting Jesus by sending his family to Egypt, and ministering to Jesus in Gethsemane. You see, Jesus is uh, demonstrating in this very moment that there's nothing that Satan is going to be able to throw at him that's going to cause him to turn from the Father's will. So there's hope for us. We will be redeemed. So this passage, as we close, this passage is for you and for me because the Redeemer has come. He has faced temptation for you and for me. In Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness. But in Him, there's even more, there's power to say no to temptation. Jesus bore the full force of the sin and temptation of a fallen world so that we would, we would have forgiveness and we would have power. My prayer is, is that may we live in that forgiveness and may we exercise that power. You see, from Jesus' temptation, we can learn that following our Lord could bring uh, dangerous and intense uh, spiritual battles. It wants us that we won't always uh, feel good. Uh, there will be times of deprivation, loneliness, and hostility. Uh, it also shows that our spiritual victories may not always be visible to the watching world. Above all, it, it shows that we must use the power of God to face temptation and not try to withstand, to withstand those temptations with our own strength, with our own power. We need the power of God. It really shows and how we can use that power for God's glory and for His praise. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for the reality that everything you did, every situation that you were in, every location, every circumstance, every relationship, every word, every action, every desire was lived for us. It was all an amazing, uh, gracious uh, substitution. You came and stood as the second Adam, our representative. And, and, 
And this time the result was not a massive failure that brought darkness and, and defeat and hopelessness and danger to our world. This time as a, as a second Adam, you faced the enemy, you defeated Satan, you remained true to your father's calling, you were obedient. You did all of that so that we would have mercy and grace in our time of need. Lord, may we live in that power. May we celebrate your victory. God, not just with hymns, not just with theology and more theology, but Lord, by the way we live our lives. May our lives be live as a celebration of, of that victory that can only be found, can only be found in Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, what, what a precious truth that is before us. I pray, dear Lord, that we would be disciplined this week to examine this truth even more. That we would hunger for you. God, I pray for those who have a personal relationship, those who have committed their lives to you. Lord, that they would desire more, more they desire you more in their lives. That they would make much of you. That they would be more committed in growing and knowing you better. Daily, Lord. God, I pray for those who do not have a personal relationship with you. I pray that you would open their hearts. That they would respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. That he is, that he, that he, he was born to die for our sins. To carry our sins. He, he did all of that for us. God, I pray that wherever they may be, as they're watching or listening to this message, may you do a, a, a work in their hearts. Break their hearts, Father, that they would recognize you for who you are. So we thank you for this time. We give glory and honor to your name. In the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen.